Luke chapter 1, if you want to turn there, and we might reference it again, but Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55 uh, from the New Living Translation this morning. And our young people are going to hang out and back tonight. It's always, I always appreciate the opportunity to worship with kids. They bring such joy and energy and excitement. Uh, most of the time, they're pretty happy to be at church unless it's early, so I get that. All right, well, um, this morning I want to... Um, kind of share an interesting fact with you. Uh, as I was uh, in preparation for uh, this message this morning, uh, and the message this morning is entitled, Hashtag Blessed, all right? And um, um, I did a search on Instagram. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's kind of scary, really, at times. But I did a search on Instagram for this particular hashtag, Hashtag Blessed. And I discovered that as of Friday evening, there were over 118,900,000 posts on Instagram that have the hashtag blessed. There's the, and I'm sure by this morning, there are a few thousand uh, more that are there. Um, um, and from photos of new outfits to people on vacation, Instagram is filled with blessed people. Uh, and by the way, there was even a picture of a guy giving his gal a foot rub. Uh, so hashtag blessed, I guess. All right. In, in our culture today, the hashtag blessed has become really a meme, really. Uh, being blessed has come to mean for us living a life of privilege and or comfort. And using this term has become a way of celebrating those unique moments when everything is going well and all seems right with the world, or at least in our own little corner of the world. Um, in the passage this morning that the girls read, we actually see a different perspective on what it means to be blessed. The blessedness or the, the blessings that Mary celebrates in contrast to our culture's understanding, are vast. Uh, by, our, by our standards, Mary does not really look blessed. I want you to think about this just from a, a different perspective this morning. Uh, you may or may not know this, but Mary could have been uh, between the ages of 12 and 14 at the time that the angel Gabriel came to announce to her that she was pregnant. Now, this was not abnormal. It was part of the culture and society of the day to marry your daughters off young. And they had no real say in it. The, the dad had all the say. And so uh, it wasn't uncommon for a 12-year-old and sometimes even younger to betrothed or essentially engaged to somebody else. And so it's quite possible that Mary at this time being betrothed or given to Joseph uh, as a fiancé in our terms was anywhere between the ages of 12 and 14. And you think about it, that's not much older than the young gals that read our passage today. Scary when you think about it from that perspective. And not only from that perspective as well, but here is Mary being told by an angel that she's about to have a baby, and in her mind and in the mind of her culture, out of wedlock. Now, you think today that's not as big of a deal, but especially within the culture in which she lived, it brought great shame upon her and upon her family. Not very much of a blessing or gift that the angel is bringing to her uh, as we might perceive it today. And honestly, really, if you read in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, the law calls for that all fornicators, which Mary would have been viewed as or judged as, to be stoned to death. So despite all of this, and Mary understood this because she understands the culture in which she lives, despite all of this, she praises God and sees herself as being blessed. That is a far and vast um, 
a different understanding of blessing than we might see on Instagram today. And what fills Mary's heart with joy is that she understand, uh, understands God's love to her and his commitment to the underdog. And in many ways, she is truly a cultural underdog. And in this commitment of God unto her and to all underdogs, it is a, a place where she finds and underdogs find the mercy and the goodness and the love of God. Mary actually mentions this three times in our, verse, uh, in our passage in verses 50, 52, and 53. And I think I've got this up here on the slide. Uh, in verse uh, 50, she says, he has mercy on those who fear him. In verse 52, she exclaims, he has exalted those of low degree. And in verse 53, she says, he has filled the hungry with good things. You know, our culture tends to value those that contribute to, to, to society or those um, that we might view as excelling. So if somebody does well at something, if they're a top performer, whether that be at work or in the entertainment world or wherever uh, they might be, or even within uh, a neighborhood or a family, we have a high value for those that are great contributors to our culture, to our society, to our workplace, to our families. Uh, but God, in this passage we see, shows great value to all people, regardless of their position in society. He isn't more impressed with a successful entrepreneur than he is with a penniless beggar. They are both precious in his sight. And no matter where we fall on the world's pecking order, God values you today. And he, just as he valued this young girl that was about to give birth he valued her. He values us. And honestly, this is the reason that Mary praises him. She understands that God's value is found in her, somebody of insignificance within her culture. And that God has bestowed his mercy and his kindness and his blessing to someone that the culture would not see as valuable. And this is also the reason that we choose to praise God today. We don't gather on Sundays to sing about Jesus just for the way that it makes us feel. We don't gather on Sundays to sing about Jesus because of who, or the reason we do that, well, the reason that we do gather on Sundays is because of who he is and for what he's done for us. We don't share our faith in Jesus Christ with other people to earn brownie points with God or a bigger mansion in heaven. We share our faith with Jesus because we have seen his faithfulness in our lives and we have trusted in him and his ways and it has led to a life of awareness of his presence and blessing. God takes notice of Mary for a vast number of reasons, but this morning I want us to understand that it was primarily her humility that led to her blessing. What is humility? Well, Mary acknowledging that God is God and that she is not, that he is sovereign, that he dictates the order of this world. Yes, there are certain things within our own human control that we have the ability to control uh, and we have the ability to manipulate. But ultimately, we as people of God, we understand that he is sovereignly working. God doesn't control our decisions or doesn't control uh, the way that we live and even the things that we might control. But he orchestrates his will through the midst of what is perceived to be our own control and what some might see in this world as chaos. 
that God, God and his ability can take decisions meant to harm to bring about good. He can bring around situations that seem like there's no good in them. Being pregnant alone and without a husband, because really Joseph had every right to disown and get rid of Mary. And she could have found herself alone, but in the midst of that, she understood that God was working out his will, and she sees this situation as a blessed situation in her life. And it's her humility, her acknowledgement of God's blessing, her awareness of who he is that leads to God choosing her. It wasn't just because God chose her that she is now aware, but it was her faithfulness and her humility prior to God choosing her that allowed him to bring this blessing into her life. And in the same way, God takes notice of us in our humility, recognizing in our own lives that, yeah, we might have control, but ultimately that God is God and we are not. Living our lives in an awareness that we don't know everything and that maybe, just maybe, God might have a better way of living life. Humility is a challenge for most of us because we have this tendency to go to extremes as human beings. And so when we talk about humility in the life of the Christian, we often think of like, Honestly, we think less of ourselves, and we start to degrade ourselves. Well, God's God, and I'm way down here. Woe is me. And, and, and there is an understanding that God is greater than us, but true humility is defined. Uh, I, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but humility is actually thinking of yourself less. I want to say that again to, to kind of let it sink in, is that humility is not thinking less of yourself but is actually thinking of yourself less. So the question comes to us this morning is how do we respond to God's blessing and grace in our life? How do we respond to his amazing care and concern for us? Mary shows us here this morning in her song, and this is really a song that she is reciting. There's a parallel uh, song that is in the Old Testament in the story of Hannah, who is the mother of, of Samuel, who is one of the last prophets to lead Israel. And I love the comparison because in both of them, there is this great awareness of who God is and his grace and his goodness, but it's a response to God, a worship and a magnifying of God for his kindness towards them. For his grace. How do you respond this Christmas season? How do I respond this Christmas season to the kindness that God has shown you and I? And we can look to specific acts maybe where God has intervened in our life and revealed his goodness, but ultimately this Christmas season calls us back to that first kindness that is extended to Mary, which is through Mary we are all blessed. She brings forth this rescuer, this savior, this Jesus, who not only is a rescuer of the Jewish people, but to the world that would call upon him. The reason we celebrate and we respond is because the blessing given to Mary is the blessing given to us, and that is Jesus Christ. As part of that worship of our mindful maker, we ought to invest time and energy in becoming more mindful of him. If we're honest with ourselves, when we ask ourselves, how truly mindful are we of God? Beyond us gathering together on a Sunday or perhaps in a time of desperation, how mindful are we of God, honestly? There's a, an old book um, 
that I love when it comes to this um, understanding of God's presence in our lives. For many of us, and I don't know if this is you or not, but for many of us, our understanding of God's presence um, boils down to an emotional experience, either positive or negative, that we might have had in church. Uh, but the reality is, is that God's presence moves beyond just the emotions that we might experience. It's an important and integral part of our lives and our relationship with God because he has created us as emotional beings, but it moves beyond that and deeper than that. And there's an awareness that God wants to create within all of our lives of this presence going with us in the day-to-day -day mundane um, activities that we go through. And this old book, it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's written by a guy that's called Brother Lawrence. He was a 17th century French monk. Um, and I love this book. It was originally written in French, so you have to find it in English translation. And there, there actually you can find a free uh, PDF of it online, actually. Maybe I'll post that today on our, our Facebook page. Um, and what I like about this, this, this book is that it's not one that you would sit through and just read in one sitting. Uh, but it's actually a compilation of, of letters that Brother Lawrence wrote to other monks um, and uh, conversations and teachings that he had with other monks. Uh, what was interesting about Brother Lawrence is he served in this monastery essentially as the cook. That was his role. That's all he had to do was serve as the cook. And so he prepared food for the other monks. And he talks about in this book this long extended season of a majority of his relationship with God where he never felt God's presence. And so he's offering advice through his letters and through his teachings to other monks of how he came to this growing awareness of God's presence in the daily mundane task of preparing food for the other monks. You and I can become more and increasingly more aware of the presence of God daily in the mundane acts of our lives. God is always near. You know, we often talk about our efforts to draw closer to God, but the reality is, is we will never be closer to God because we do nothing to bring ourselves close to God. God has done everything in Jesus' coming to bring us close to him. So there's nothing you can do to draw yourself any closer to God today than you can tomorrow. But the reality is there are things that we can do in our lives to reveal and understand and sense and become aware that God's presence is with us. It's removing the layers from our daily lives, from the routine that we go through, to understand that he's with us on Sunday morning as we gather to sing, but he's just as with us when we go to work in our car, by ourselves, on Monday morning. And opening our eyes and becoming aware daily that he is with us. So I want to invite Paul and the rest of the worship team to come forward uh, as we prepare to close. And we're going to um, light, uh, do our candle lighting here. And I, I think this is, is this my candle, Paul? I don't know. Is it not yours, Annie, is it? I don't know. It's not. Okay, good. All right. This morning, as we prepare to move to our candle lighting, I want us to ask ourselves this morning. I want us to ask ourselves this morning, how aware are we of the presence of God in our daily lives? There are certain disciplines that we talk about as, as Christians. 
Uh, and by disciplines, sometimes they're called habits. Uh, but spiritual disciplines, like we, the ones we always talk about are prayer and reading our Bible, because we say that those are the important ones, and they are. But um, the spiritual disciplines are much deeper and broader than just that. And it's through these acts of honestly seeking uh, an awareness, a greater awareness of God's presence, the layers are removed. It's in these moments where we dedicate time just to set aside and to be still. And sometimes there's an intentional uh, point in every day where we're still. But even in the mundane, we can shift our focus. Because it's not like just by thinking about God that all of a sudden he pops up. But as our attentions are drawn towards him and whatever we're doing, it's, the, it's like the scales are removed and we recognize that he's been with us all along. And so as I prepare to light my candle and I will move to the front row over here and light Amber's candle. And if you, candle, if you didn't get a candle this morning, let Amber know she'll, she'll get you one. And I think, uh, I think, are we good? Does everybody have a candle? And Paul and the worship team are going to lead us in a couple more songs this morning. But allow these moments that we're about to embrace to be moments to where you create an awareness in your life. Remove whatever you need to remove, whatever distraction might be uh, in your own mind or whatever thoughts, and just allow your eyes to see and your ears to hear Jesus. He's here. He's with us. His presence is here, right? There's nothing we can do to change that, but are we going to open ourselves up to what he has for us this morning.